0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup.
1: And my name is Shelby, also known as Cup.
0: Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe, from Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more. We will seek to uncover it all, so join us and maybe even take a leap of faith.
1: Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby, you might also know me as SheCup, and I am the host for the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, and I'm one half of the duo that makes up the co-hosts for this show. And I'm going to let my other one introduce himself.
0: Yeah, so I am Austin, also known as Teacup, and I am the other host. I am your lore guide for this podcast. Uh, We've kind of skimmed away from expert because I don't know why, but
1: I'm the lore guide. I just feel like saying you're an expert is arrogant, but... I mean, you are a nerd about this game series, so there is that.
0: I did like go on like a five minute like monologue about the lore of this
1: game the other day. So five minutes is the underestimation of the year.
0: Okay. So anyway, are how you doing on your playthroughs? Not well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I heard you're raging.
1: I was majorly raging this week about Assassin's Creed 2. I'm still on Assassin's Creed 2. It's taking me a long time. It's a long game. I have done 4 of the assassin tombs, so that's good. I have killed a crap ton of people. I'm mad at guards who attack me for no reason. Um I don't know how far I am in the main quest line. You can tell me that or you can tell them that.
0: You are in like sequence twelve, I think. For those of you who have played the game, she has the boat is just returning from the island of Cyprus. Oh yeah. In Venice. So yeah, are you enjoying it at least?
1: I am. I am. I like it a lot. Um Ezio is an interesting character. I mean, it holds up well for its age, but you can tell it's it's an older game.
0: Yeah. The controls are kind of clunky. And I think your favorite play style will be that kind of Assassin's Creed 3 to the, like, pirate games. Though you might really like Unity and Syndicate because it's like a bridge between that, the style, the classic Assassin's Creed style and the combat style that we have in the new games.
1: Yeah, I think you're right because I do, I do really like the stealth assassination kind of thing, but I also just like bashing people over the head. So I think you're right that the, the, the mix transition games might be, I might like those a lot. So, you know what, we'll see. I am excited. I always do this thing where when I get close to ending a game, I get super excited for the next game and don't, adequately give the game I'm currently on enough attention. So if you see me doing that, please like harangue me into caring about Assassin's Creed 2 more.
0: Right, right. Are um, well, you ready to learn you some stuff?
1: Um, I'll be honestly shocked if I learn anything new about World War 2, but let's dive in.
0: Well, I don't expect to teach you anything about World War 2, just about how the Assassins <laughs> and Templars handle World War 2.
1: Sounds good. Let's do it.
0: OK, so following the Great Depression, the Second World War breaks out. After officially we can talk about how it kind of starts before this but officially, it starts in the first of September in 1939, when Germany invades Poland, which is just kind of the last straw. For the for France and Britain, and they're like, okay, you're done. It's wartime, and so they create the Allies and Axis powers. The wiki said the all the nations of the world, and I just could not say that because that is entirely Eurocentric of the world. There are hundreds of countries that did not take place in World War II.
1: You should, um, you should like join the wiki team and and propose a change. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, it is a lot of countries. A lot of countries do join the war, but right. it is by no stretch of the imagination. Every country.
0: Like World War I, there's a little foreshadowing in Assassin's Creed Origins in the same kind of place where you go to get the foreshadowing for World War I. But Bike encounters an Isu voice that says this, families cowering in fear as V2s vaporize their dwellings which is obviously a reference to the bombings of London.
1: It is very interesting. So this war
0: is instigated by the Templars.
1: Um, That doesn't really surprise me. So
0: they do this in an effort to form a new world government, creating the chaos necessary to install an international monetary system, which is later proposed at the Bretton Woods Conference. Winston Churchill, Joseph Stalin, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and adolf hitler were the world leaders confirmed as templar puppets hitler and roosevelt were the only leaders to confirm to hold pieces of eden interesting isn't it this Uh whole time we've had the assassins on one side and the templars on the other Uh uh-huh and that is not the case
1: that's really interesting is it is it gonna be like that the whole war sort
0: of we'll get into that So. I totally believe each each and every one of those individuals would be a Templar.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Mainly because Churchill's probably the one that's the least amount. Mm-hmm. Just because Churchill very much had a I do what I want and no one tells me what to do attitude.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And, and so I find him I find it difficult for him to be like totally on board with the whole Templar control aspect. But Stalin, absolutely. FDR, look. FDR did a lot of good things for the country in a moment. Um, You know, we live in Tennessee. The TVA, I think, was a good thing for the state of Tennessee.
1: I mean, yeah, I I don't agree, though, that FDR would be a Templar. Like, yes, he he wanted power and like pretty much did anything to get in, including going so far as to pack and stack the Supreme Court. But. I don't think he would have wanted to be beholden to the power structure of the Templar organization. Same for Churchill. Hmm. I know I just said Churchill with like the countryest accent ever and people are going to be mad at me, but I don't care.
0: That's interesting. Um, Do
1: you disagree?
0: I just think that FDR would very much be the kind of person who would be okay with world domination kind of aspect, as long as he could be someone who was in power.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm just saying that I don't think the Templars would be able to grant that to him. Mm. Right. And then I think he would see that.
0: And then obviously Hitler, like he's all about a new world order about changing the world and putting the right people in power and control of the world. So He basically like is the ideal Templar. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's how we're going to break this down. Normally I just go through chronologically and I talk about the Templars and the assassins throughout. There's too much going on on each side for me to do that. Okay. We're going to talk about the Templars in the war, take our break, and then we're going to talk about the assassins.
1: Can we switch it? (laughs) No. I hate the Templars.
0: Well, this isn't going to help that.
1: Okay. Well, I knew that going into this.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so, during the 1930s, so before the war, Henry Ford ships one of the Templars' Apples of Edens to Germany to pass it on to Hitler, who would go on to become the leader of, the Nazi, of Nazi Germany. In 1939, Hitler used the apple, of, apple to ignite the Second World War. I have two thoughts on this. First, I think it's so interesting that all these like titans of industry end up being Templars.
1: Okay, well, it's, that's not surprising for me because Henry Ford I, was a Nazi sympathizer, if not an outright Nazi. So this very much tracks with, with legitimate real life history.
0: Right. And so I get really frustrated with the idea of, Hitler having an apple of Eden, which allows you to have like mind control, because I think it does kind of like an erasure of how people were willingly like ignorant and compliant and complicit in what he was doing in Nazi Germany.
1: I totally agree. I kind of think this is pretty anti-Semitic and offensive, in my opinion, actually, because of that very reason, because it totally erases like the banality of this story. Like it's, it's in the everyday stuff. It's not about this like huge, gigantic apple of Eden, like really important thing that that they used to combine control everybody. You no, know, like they just used a crappy economy and fear-based propaganda to convince everyone that the Jews were responsible for causing all of this which none of that is true but they just used propaganda so i i agree with you i think it's kind of anti-semitic that this is the narrative they're choosing when they could have chosen like really creative stuff too and
0: similar to what i said about the salem witch trials this kind of erases the lesson that we're supposed to learn from this point of history Mm -hmm. and i think that's a little dangerous when you're in this kind of historical fiction, a little bit of revisionist history kind of thing going on.
1: Yeah, I think it's very dangerous.
0: So alongside Hitler, the war's other most prominent leaders, Roosevelt, Churchill and Joseph Stalin, were all secretly manipulated by the Templars, if not outright Templars into creating a worldwide state of chaos and disorder to allow the order to take control.
1: I mean, that I think is much more believable than the Apple of Eden.
0: Right. I think that that is very much, I think it's a little far-fetched, but like, given like the state of our world and like the things that we're learning about governments and all that, it's not super unbelievable that all these people would be conspiring together to like put themselves in in places of power.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. So at the, we've talked about this before, but at the start of the war, uh, the scientist, uh, Jero Kramer, a high ranking Templar, he went rogue and starts a secret project called the Die Glock, which we know from our Animus episode is the precursor to the Animus. Yes. Uh, he, u- he uses the nuclear project to disguise his true intentions, and he employs uh, the aid of the Nazis, Apple of Eden, and Nikola Tesla. Who they basically stage his death so he can be held captive and work on this project. Wow. So on f- the 27th of February, 1943, the assassin Eddie Gorm he infiltrates the Nazi facility uh, where the Diglock is located. He eventually confronts Kramer and the Templar overpowers Gorm and places him inside the precursor to the Animus, intending to him to relive memories to find more pieces of Eden. And this would help Kramer take a leading role in the New World Order. The experiment failed, and Kramer fled during an Allied attack on the facility. By July of 1943, the Templars had reached an alliance with uh, Brolin Posh, another assassin, in order to a- collaborate on assassinating Hitler. So at this point, Hitler has kind of gone rogue himself and the Templars are not convinced that he is sane enough basically to control.
1: I have a question. Mm-hmm. So um, the experiment Kramer was leading and then the Allied attack that uh, was led against his facility, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Was this the attack that Captain America led to get Bucky? You
0: can think that if you want.
1: <laughs> I do think that. That's my headcanon.
0: <sighs> the one he first leads when, and that's mm-hmm. how he becomes the official Captain America. Yeah.
1: The first Avenger in the first Avenger movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. You can think that. You can I have do a, a headcanon my- of crossover. Okay. Captain America. Steve Rogers is a hundred percent an assassin.
1: Oh God. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But let's not get on that tangent. We got a lot to get through.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) So Kramer is assassinated on the, on July 15th at the hands of Gorm and another assassin named Julia Dusk on, on Posh's orders. Posh at this point claims the apple of Eden for himself.
1: Okay. So that seems bad.
0: So another Templar scientist works with Posh aboard the USS Eldritch on Project Rainbow, an attempt to use the Diglock and the Apple of Eden to go back in time and kill Hitler before his rise to power.
1: Have we talked about that before?
0: Yes, and it has come to the conclusion that like this is where the Templars realize you can't change the past; you can only relive it.
1: Hmm.
0: Um. There's a little bit of weird things going on with people thinking it being proposed that Layla's animus could allow you to change the past, but.
1: Okay. Let's move on from that. I don't want right. to see it. Right.
0: Right. So before this experiment could be executed, uh, Gorm kills Tesla on board the ship to sabotage it Uh Causing the experiment to be a failure, a failure, the Templars moved their scientists to the Manhattan Project to improve the Allies' positions over the Axis. All right. And so in July 1944, at the height of the war, economic agents of the Templars met at the Benton Woods Conference to launch the next phase of the plan, and the World Bank was, sub- was
1: established. Look, I mean, that tracks like i I get it. You know, in in our Dragon Age podcast, you have said a couple times, like this person convinces me almost to like believe in their God. Well, for me, now the this, you're convincing me that this could be real in our world. Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, Alexander Hamilton, it's in the musical, but like he basically you know he gives up the location of the capital to get his like plan for the federal bank put forth and in the musical he says it doesn't matter where the capital is because new york will have the banks and bottom the bottom line is money is power in our world yeah and so templars controlling the world bank is probably more power than they've ever had in the history of all these conflicts
1: Right. And it basically means they're to uh, link this to your other podcast. They're basically becoming Palpatine with unlimited power. Correct. So
0: they create this and they're manipulating both sides, kind of like Palpatine. Like, yeah, they allow this and they're allowing the allies to win because they think that that is the way to their new order. So the allies do gain the upper hand. Uh, The Templars do gain control over Hitler again, and Hitler reacquires the Apple of Eden. So, this is, in 1945, the Templar order orders Hitler to kill his body double in his bunker, in the bunker that we actually find Hitler and, I believe, his wife in.
1: So, he had a body double?
0: Apparently. I don't know if that's actually historically accurate, or if that's just i have no idea. Assassin's Creed thing. I mean, I would assume that with a leader of his caliber, he might have had some decoys or something like that, but who knows?
1: Well, he's not Padme.
0: Right. Uh, and then take the Apple of Eden to a rendezvous, rendezvous point. However, on the 30th of April, 1945, as Hitler leaves the bunker, he's killed and ambushed by the assassins and his piece of Eden is lost.
1: So, two months
0: later, Abstergo sanctions the Manhattan Project's test of the atomic bond, and on the 6th and 9th of August that year, two atomic bonds were dropped on Japan. Amidst the resulting chaos of the war, the Tempers were able to guide the world's economic rebuilding towards the goal of their new world order. Let's pause. Basically, what we're claiming is the UN is a puppet of the Templars.
1: So I have a comment, unless you have something else to add first.
0: Um, I was just going to kind of like talk about like the kind of aftermath of the war and like how this actually really this would be plausible to happen.
1: Well, I just want to talk about the New World Order language. Mm hmm. So this is not a new or novel concept. Like the New World Order is an idea like in our world too, not just in Assassin's Creed. And so for me, I kind of always affiliate the Templars with conservatism and not necessarily like a political party itself, but just a movement toward conservatism, building power and coalescing power like in, in your own faction and and there's a pretty common conspiracy theory in american politics um that kind of targets more conservative voters about like the new world order in our world um that you know i don't even know all the details about it but that there is a new world order and that people elites want to take over the world and coalesce power for themselves whatever and so it's interesting to me that like the um assassin's creed universe is kind of replicating this but turning it on its head a little bit and saying like well the people in the assassin's creed universe um who are saying oh that's what these other people want to do are the ones who are actually doing that does that make sense
0: right i think that totally tracks and i think that one of the ways that this is possible is that you know The plans that are put forth to kind of like rebuild Europe after the chaos of World War II. I mean, at least us on state sides, we spend weeks in our not only like Western Civ and European history classes, but our American history classes talking about the aftermath of World War II and what it sets up. And Europe, especially Europe, and that's where I'm mainly talking about because that's where the war is primarily fought in the Far East. Um, But we don't really have information about the Pacific Theater of the war that much. So I don't. I only have like the European Theater information in the
1: Assassin's Creed history. Correct.
0: I mean, it happened, right? Um, and you see, we talked about the atomic bombs. But we don't have like, oh, these are stories that happened in the African theater and the Pacific theater. Right. I see. Um, Which is interesting because, you know, the Americans are more involved in the Pacific theater than anything else. Yep. So I would be interested in the story there.
1: It makes sense because they are the ones that attacked us.
0: Right. Um, But anyway it would have been, doing this would be very easy for the Templars to exert control because there is so much chaos and so much turmoil and all of these once powerful nations are crumbling. Italy, Germany, even France and Britain themselves are Mm -hmm. in harsh trouble. And it's really the United States and Soviet Russia that are the ones who can come in and like do anything. Both of which at this point, are headed by Templars, Truman and Stalin.
1: Interesting. Uh, I have a question that's kind of off topic. Go ahead. Has there ever been an American president who was a um, assassin?
0: Technically, Lincoln was backed by the assassins, as was, George Washington, as was George Washington.
1: But that's not what I asked. I said, has there ever been an American president that was an assassin? I don't know. But there have been American presidents who were members of the Templars. I believe so. But I
0: also think that has to go with ideology and that Templars are more likely to seek out places of powers and put and put their own people in those places of power.
1: No, I agree completely. I was just asking.
0: So yeah, and I think that this is very plausible. It's interesting to me because instead of like the conflict being the conflict between the Templars and the Assassins. It's kind of like, okay, you have the conflict between the Axis and the Allies, and then there's this shadow conflict that's going on Mm -hmm. behind the scenes of this war.
1: That most people don't know about.
0: Right. So I think let's take a break before we kind of go to the assassin side of things and finish up.
1: All right, let's do it. So welcome to the break. Um, this is the place where we talk about all the like important non lore stuff to do with the podcast. So, um, now is the time where I tell you all the ways that you can support us. We are in the process of, um, establishing a Patreon. So if you're interested in supporting us financially, let us know and we'll send you the link when we're done with it. Um, if you can't support us financially, that's okay. We totally understand. There are other, there are other non-financial ways to support us. And the number one way to do that right now is to tell their people about this show. If you like it, um, if you love listening to us ramble about like history and stuff, you can share the podcast with other people or on your social media or whatever. Um, and if you leave us a review, with words that's five stars we will read it out on the show um you can leave us a review on apple and you can also leave us a rating on spotify that's also super helpful um so yeah you can leave us reviews and we will read them out and we do actually have one to read today this review is from mad dog 0131 and actually mad dog left us this review on my birthday so that was fun so Mad Dog says love it. Been a huge fan of Assassin's Creed since AC3 and have played through all at this point. Currently in the process of going 100% complete on AC Valhalla. I've been looking for another pod for I've been looking for a podcast for the lore behind AC and man the cup's hit it on the head. I'm a bit behind on the podcast, currently on episode 3. But with this podcast I'll be caught up in no time. Keep up the great work. Hey, Mad Dog, thanks so much for leaving that awesome review. We are so thankful for it. And we definitely appreciate the support. If you also want to hang out with us more, you can join our Discord server, The Cups Podcasting and More. Um, that's the home of all three of our podcasts, the Dragon Age Lorecast, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, and Austin's other podcasts, Holocron Histories. Um, and if you don't want to join that one or you already joined that one, you can also join the Robots Radio Discord server, Um, The Robots Radio Network is the network that we're a part of. And so there are all kinds of awesome podcasts that have their home um, on that server. So you can join there and talk with us in our channel, or you can also find like 18,000 other awesome podcasts to listen to there. So yeah, those are all the things I have to talk about in the middle of the show, Austin, unless I've forgotten something. I don't think so. Awesome. Well, let's get back to the content. So,
0: many assassins across the world are participating in this conflict, trying their darndest to thwart the Templar causes at every moment they possibly can. Uh, they create a group that op- operates from a cabin in the Swiss Alps to supply and leave local cells against German troops. Um, after the start of the war, war a team of assassins led by Boris Posh, infiltrated the German nuclear weapon project. We talked about this. Uh, so Posh actually is the one who recruits Eddie Gorm to infiltrate Kramer's inner circle. Gorm abducts someone from Kramer's team and arranges a meeting. From there, he learns that the that the nuclear project is actually a f- cover-up for the Die Glock. So with this information... Posh basically trains Gorm as an assassin um, and sends him to infiltrate uh, Kramer's facility in 1943. Uh, during the fight with the Templar, Gorm is overpowered and placed inside the Diglock. In this experience, Tesla is kind of like back and forth. He sometimes is helping the Templars and he's sometimes like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to like help you. And so he kind of sabotages the Die Glock a little bit, uh, which leads to the machine exploding and it leads to uh, Gorm's rescue by Julia's dusk in the midst of the British army attacking this facility. They gain information on, pro- on this Project Rainbow that we talked about earlier from their ally, Tesla. So the assassins then, they divert their attention to Project Rainbow beneath underneath a castle in poland where abstergo industries built a base now remember abstergo industries is founded by henry ford and other templars right right and so to build super weapons based on precursor knowledge and you kind of get a little bit of this in assassin's creed 2 with the glyph memories where they kind of like hint to you can read a letter from henry ford about sending in an apple of eden over there's a lot going on and so they actually, Dusk and Gorm, infiltrate the, an auction to sell weapons at the castle. There they kill Kramer and claim the Apple of Eden and the base for the assassins. So it's at this point that Tesla reveals that Posh is in collusion with the Templars and hoping, hoping to build nuclear weapons for the Americans to turn the tide of the war. Gorman does turn against posh with dust blowing herself up to destroy the apple of Eden to no effect.
1: So it doesn't destroy the apple of Eden. No. So this is Hitler's Adam apple, apple of Eden.
0: I believe so.
1: Or are there multiple apples?
0: There are several apples going on at this point. And so the war continues. And like we're talking about, there's this back and forth, um, With Gorm eventually killing Posh and eventually killing himself because Mm -hmm. he just doesn't want to be a tool used to hurt people. Um and there's just a lot going on. The assassins are not gaining ground. The and the real big thing that they end up getting is on the, the 30th of April, they knew that Adolf Hitler was planning on executing his body double. So they sent stakeouts. And they lie in wait for Hitler to show himself and they kill the Nazi leader, bringing basically one of the points that brings the conflict to an end.
1: Mm. Interesting.
0: Right. Just kind of what's going on here. I think that it would be like Hitler's death and the dropping of the atomic bombs are really like the final thing that just says, OK, this is over. And the Russians sacking Berlin. That, that's, those are the end of the war. Right. But like, it's so interesting to me because, and let's go ahead and transition to our legacy. Yeah. It doesn't matter which side wins.
1: Exactly. No matter
0: matter which side wins, the assassins lose.
1: Yeah. And also, I think the thing that frustrates me about this, this kind of retelling of it is that like everything that happens with the Holocaust, the, you know, 12 million people who died, um, in concentration camps, like that's totally inconsequential to the story. And I hate that because that's like 12 million people who died. And, and not only that, but also, and I don't know the numbers, but all of the everyday soldiers who are fighting in this war, who are sacrificing themselves and dying, um, being shot to death on the battlefields, right? Like, totally inconsequential. Um, and, and I know that that's true for most wars, um, because that's the horror of war, but those are people who went to war or who got drafted or who volunteered to sacrifice themselves as soldiers. Um, and I think that they should be respected and that we should remember them and they should not just be used as cannon fodder. Um, and so it kind of frustrates me that, that this story, I feel like it, that it disrespects both the people who are fighting and also the people who, you know, were the targets um, of the oppression of Germany at this.
0: And I think, you know, we got this, this isn't the first time that the Templars have created a conflict to try to get their way. Um, No, we see that in the French revolution. We see that in Assassin's Creed one with the crusades. Right there are Templars on the sides of the people in the Holy land, the um, Islamic people. And there are people on the sides of the Roman crusaders and the British crusaders. And. And yeah. it's, it's a point of the assassins trying to stop that. Um, and I think that like, it really sets up like the world that we walk into when we first open up assassins creed one. Uh which is like, oh, these Templars are in control of everything. Yeah. And they get there because of World War II.
1: The modern day world, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, that timeline doesn't add up. But yes, yeah, right. totally agree.
0: Um, and it's like, it puts up Sturgo on top. And they set up this World Bank. They set up the UN as a puppet of the Templars. Like, all of these agencies that we think in our world, we like to think our agents of good and helpfulness are actually backed by these people who want to control us and oppress us.
1: Yeah. So um, that is accurate in the Assassin's Creed universe going into the modern day that the UN is backed by the Templars.
0: I believe so. Um,
1: that we, well, at least we haven't had anything to contradict that.
0: Not, not from the games, at least.
1: Right. Okay. Um,
0: And so this also sets the assassins to be forced underground. But the last thing before our last, I have two more points, but this point is, I think the assassins are where they're meant to be finally. When they're underground. When they're underground. When they're fighting against and in this place where they're at the bottom and they have to fight because no one else is. I think Mm. the failure of the French revolution is those assassins grew comfortable in their truce and they allowed the Templars to manipulate them. It was the same thing that happened in the French and Indian war with Achilles brotherhood. They got comfortable and allowed the Templars to rise to power.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: And it's the points, all the best points of the assassin's creed where you have assassins who are truly being assassins and fighting for something amazing and trying to really embody the creed they are fighting as underdogs they are fighting because they either come from the lowly or they have a deep compassion for the everyday person mm. I go back to the Ezio the people are the heart of the assassin's creed
1: yeah
0: um, and I think that this sets them up to really do the work that they're going to which goes back to Aya and Bayek of saying, we're going to fight and do this because no one else is going to.
1: Because no one else will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I pa- think, sorry, I was going to say, and I think that that's a powerful place to be um, because it it inspires loyalty from the everyday person. And so they can grow secretly, in secret, um, and have the loyalty of like the everyday person who, as we know from history makes up 99% of the population, more than um, the 1% of the most powerful, most wealthy kind of people at the top.
0: Right. And I think that, yes, the great purge is terrible. That happens in the nineties. The great purge is terrible and of the a big, yeah. And it's a big hit to the assassins. But the survivors and where they need to be, often in times of chaos, you find out what's truly important to a person and how committed you are to something. And I think that going forth, they realize that, okay, Templars are in power. And it's not this thing of like, okay, Templars are in power in England and we have a stronghold in France. It's the Templars are in control. Of everything. Of everything now we're now we're here, where the assassins are working underground, and I think doing more work in line with what their founders intended their organization to be.
1: I know I haven't played all the games yet, but i I agree with your opinion completely. Hmm.
0: And then my last thing is, how believable do you think this is from a historical there? I know we talked about like our issues with like the things that they're overlooking.
1: I think that the desire of the world leaders to have this kind of unlimited power, I think that's very believable. What I don't think is believable is especially for for FDR and Churchill. I just don't think it's believable for either of them to agree to be a Templar puppet. Mm -hmm. And I know I said that earlier. I just absolutely do not think that either of those men, strong men, strong leaders would ever be willing to give up an inch of the power that they've claimed for themselves.
0: Right. And I think, especially from a Churchill, Churchill was the one who was speaking about stopping Hitler long before any of the allies even looked his direction. And so I just think that Churchill, while he could be, you know, a jerk and rude and off-putting and probably arrogant, from what I've read about him, from what I know about him, I would say that at his core, he's a good person who wants to see good in the world, not his own advancement.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I'll say like... (sighs) what world leader isn't arrogant enough to think they like, isn't it arrogant enough to think that you can lead a country?
0: Yeah, I mean, there there has to be some level of arrogance, some level of ego when you're in a leader, any leadership position, because you can't make decisions, second guessing their mm-hmm. decisions, especially mm-hmm. when you're leading a country, when people are dependent on you making those decisions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: But that's really it. I think the whole like conspiracy theory, I think it's probably a little th- on the far end, but I don't think it's that far-fetched.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think the, the wanting to be in power, like the, all of those things are believable. I, that, I have no question about that. It's just mostly my biggest issue is that I don't think some of those men would be okay with being puppet leaders. no.
0: Right. And you know, like to FDR's point, this is a man who hid his disease from the country because he didn't want to appear weak at all. That is not a man who is okay with being someone else's puppet.
1: I know that's what I'm saying. And you were the one that doubted me when I first said that. Well,
0: I just knew that my biggest thing is his whole thing with stacking the courts and like trying to manipulate the system of government.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and no, he very it. much was a president who was like, okay, if Congress isn't going to do this, I'm going to do this.
1: Yeah. I don't think that that's, I think that's a point in my favor though. I guess
0: that's <laughs> probably true. But anyway, that's all I got.
1: Well, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, but before I close this out, do you want to give them a hint of of where we're going next?
0: Yeah. So this is the last episode of season two.
1: You I mean season one
0: or season one? Sorry. We're on <laughs> I do a lot of podcasts, Uh, but so this is the end of season one. And so we're going to potentially take a break for a little bit because we, I have a new job that I'm getting with. I'm very excited about, but it means that Shelby and I are moving. So this next week we'll be really focused on moving. And so we'll take a little bit of like a week break and then we'll come back in with season two and i'm gonna leave the topic to a surprise but we will start season two with a character deep dive
1: oh exciting i love character deep dives i know are, are you gonna let me pick the character deep dive sure huh really yeah okay can i close this out yeah All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We will see you in two weeks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, assassins.